Hello groupies, Sean here letting you know to hang out at the end of the episode for some bonus material. Well now on with the show. Hello Cleveland! Hello and welcome to Spinal Tap Minute, the podcast where we do all sorts of stuff, um, looking at the minute of Spinal Tap that's in front of us. And usually I have a minute lined up in front of me, but today I have a a very special guest and I'm going to let Sean introduce himself and then Sean can introduce our special guest. Okay. Thank you, Heidi. Once again, I am Sean German and with us today, our very special guest, from Spinal Tap, David Caffinetti. David, Welcome. thank you for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. And all my Tap fans. Yes, <laughs> there are so many of them. We always, um, we always light up and get excited when you're on screen. So thank you for being in studio today with us. My pleasure. We, I think, Sean has a couple of questions, and I have a couple of questions, but I, I'm keeping it loose and okay. conversational, so, you Sounds know, great. we're not at the, you know, a radio studio or anything, but right. this will this will go out, out onto the internet, and we'll share it with everybody, and we'll right. share it with you, so you know how to share it with everybody and all that stuff. Excellent. So, yeah, I was curious, you were saying earlier off mic that you, that we could talk a little bit about your history yes. as a musician. Yes. So, I think most of us know watching the movie everybody's a big fan that you are hired into the movie and and a real musician yes <laughs> yeah me, me and the drummer uh the wonderful rick parnell who plays mick shrimpton the tall guy who blew up <laughs> <laughs> actually he kind of got me into the movie did he? it was really cool what had happened was the guys had done a 20 minute pilot back in 1980 mm-hmm. to try and sell the concept to hollywood producers Users. And unfortunately, because there was no script, they had what they called a treatment. Okay. And nobody really bit. <laughs> <laughs> so two years later, they got the they got their finances done. Okay. Um, Norman Lear, the guy that did All in the Family, you know, right, with right. Meathead, Rob Reiner, yes, director came up with 2.7 million to make so the movie got made otherwise it never would have gotten made i love him he's so great yes he has a wonderful um documentary out right now it's mostly just him talking about his life he was so nice to me made me feel real comfortable oh cool and it was really funny during one of the breaks he was doing an otis redding imitation oh my gosh and he's got a soulful voice oh my gosh that's (laughs) never knew that (laughs) that's that's rob for you (laughs) that is awesome rob reiner has a soulful voice oh i believe it i believe it so yeah so you uh said that Rick got you into yeah, Rick, this project? Rick, yeah, How Rick was in the original 20-minute pilot they okay. did in 1980. And what happened was the keyboard player, when it was time to start the movie, he was out on the road with one rock band that was one of the bands that Spinal Tap was parodying. Okay. And that was Uriah Heap. Uriah Heap. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so I was, I was interviewed by Rob with about 30 other people, including the wonderful late Nicky Hopkins, who played piano on Rolling Stone stuff. Okay. And, and, and fabulous. Anyhow, what I said, I met, met Rob. Hello, Rob. All that. Rob. 
I'm the real deal. <laughs> I'm your English rock and roller. I will give you authenticity. And he bought it. <laughs> <laughs> and you delivered. <laughs> I, I had to fall in love with the camera, which somehow I managed to do. <laughs> that is so cool. So, so what were you doing at that point in your career? Well, you um, I actually, I got, got from England to Los Angeles back in September 1975. Okay. On a meal ticket with an English rock band called Natural Gas. Okay, that sounds they familiar. Did, they, they recorded one album and they toured with Peter Frampton. Okay. Unfortunately, my services were relinquished <laughs> after six weeks, but I was having such a great time in LA, I thought, I'm staying on. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then I had a short spell back in 76 with the interesting LA funk rock band mm. called Fresh. Oh, it cool. was like a collision course of, of really heavy funk and rock and roll, awesome. which actually made us an impossible item to sell. <laughs> <laughs> We, we were too rocked out for the R&B crowd, and we were too too funky for the rock crowd. <laughs> but at least I did get to do an, a wonderful album at a famous L.A. studio called The Record Plant. Oh, cool. And I was actually in a little, late sequence in a movie that came out in 1979 called Almost Summer. Hmm. It was a high school movie, and one of the stars was Bruno Kirby, who oh played, my gosh. The li- <laughs> played the limo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was such a great guy. God, Bruno was fantastic. He was really good. Anyhow, this, this, um, I was in the high school band. Okay. Which was fresh. Okay. And we backed, um, a female trio called High Energy. And then we did a couple of songs. Um, ourselves, and then I did this little classical piano seg- segment into a ballad, which is kind of nice. Right at the end mm. of the movie, there's this. It's basically a high school movie with rich kids, not an adult in sight, okay. and everybody's vying for the class president. You know, gotcha. Yeah, uh, but it's so it's a pretty f- flimsy plot. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are a lot good, of those. It was a twelve million dollar budget. Nice. You know, Universal Pictures. So Fresh got into the little act. Cool. And then following that 18-hour movie um, sequence, which was filmed at the Biltmore Hotel mm-hmm. in downtown L.A. Okay. As the high school set up. You know, okay, For gotcha. the thing. We, uh, I had about three hours sleep, then jumped on a plane to Atlanta and started a one-month tour. Open, this was fresh. Okay. Opening for Shaka Khan and Rufus. Oh, wow. The Jacksons. Oh, my gosh. Wild Cherry. I mean, oh my- we were really... Half an hour with half the PA. (laughs) (laughs) But it was a good, really great experience. I got to hang out with Chaka Khan, one of my favorite people on the planet. She's awesome. I know. Oh, how fun. Yeah, there's so that lot. was the thing. I got I got the deal that got me to L.A. Okay, okay. Pr- prior to that, I was in an English rock band called Rare Bird. Mm-hmm. We formed in late 1969, and we were a progressive classical rock band. We had a unique lineup, organ, 
electric piano, bass and drums. Oh, wow. No guitar. Okay. But we did two really great albums. And on our first album, we were lucky enough to have an international hit single called Sympathy. Mm -hmm. Um, It was number one in the French charts for eight weeks during the summer of 1970. Okay. And number one in the charts in Italy in the fall of 1970. Oh, wow. And you talk to any French person over 45 and you say Sympathy, they, they light up because... That song somehow got through to the French folk. Wow, interesting. That and, that makes sense that when I Googled you a little bit earlier yes, today, that right. a lot of French websites were coming in. Of course. So that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah right, right, right. So, and Rare Bird, how long that, that project? Okay, there was basically two versions of Rare Bird. Okay. The initial version, which was what I would say the successful version, where we were a four-piece classical rock band. Now, the second edition of Rare Bird, there was like about a maybe a ten month hiatus before we were able to secure okay. um, a three album record deal with Polydor Records okay. as a production company. So we got the benefits of a, an advance before the album, each album, regardless of how the previous one had sold. Okay, so it was very cool. Yeah, um, we had a, a different lineup. Um, we retained the lead singer from the first uh, uh, our first uh, edition of Rare Bird. Okay, and. Um, Myself, he switched from bass to rhythm guitar. We auditioned over 200 bass players during the summer of 71, got a good bass player, secured the record deal, recorded three albums for Polydor, and, and did a lot of touring. But the big success was the first one. Gotcha. Yeah. So was there any Spinal Tap related kind of stuff going on with that second one or was it just sort of kind of popular yeah well quite? you could say yeah it got it got moody at times <laughs> you know how, how how nigel gets <laughs> well you know sometimes people get a little morose yeah, yeah. <laughs> now i i heard a story david i heard a story that during assembling that rare bird mark ii you also were auditioning drummers yes and there was uh one notable drummer yes. that uh, that didn't make the cut that you guys actually turned down. We did. Um, the the brilliant Phil Collins. Oh, my gosh. But <laughs> I've, I've got to reiterate, Phil at the time was a huge Billy Cobham fan, and you're talking about jazz fusion. Oh, yeah. Very, very fast, complex, exciting drums, but not a groove. Yes. Mm-hmm. We yeah. were looking for a drummer who could groove. That is great. I'm glad you interjected with that. And I have experienced that in my own projects. Most of the music I've done has been rhythm and blues. Yes. Where the groove is so important. The The backbeat, the deepness of the groove. And we've had to like, yeah, Yeah. say this isn't going to work or school somebody and say- The tempo's wrong, it's not grooving. It's too nervous. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or it's too late, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So what was the project like? What was doing the movie like? Okay. Anything you want to share? How sure, long it sure. took? I mean, how- okay, here, here it comes. Um, three days after my successful interview with Rob, 
I was in a L.A. studio laying down the backing tracks for the Smell the Glove album. Oh, wow. So that was done fairly quickly and efficiently. I wasn't involved with the overdubs, but my basic meat and potatoes playing is to be heard okay. on it. So we, we got that done pretty damn quickly. And then, ooh, maybe 10 days later, we, we started filming in November and December of 1982, mm. um, five days a week, like, you know, 8 a.m. to 5, you know, that kind of so thing. So kind of normal-ish yeah. hours, not too right. late. Sometimes early, but, you know, usually about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, rock and roll early, for sure. Oh, that, early. <laughs> Dark glasses early. <laughs> yeah, Mick never took those off. No. Mick Shrimpton, yeah. the character, he, oh, he was has a, those he, on the whole he time. He was such a cool guy. We actually shared a house together. Oh, fun. In a funny little city outside L.A called Tahunga. Yes, yes, okay. So the two of you did or uh, yeah, we more? shared we shared a house. He he'd actually gotten gotten to the house and said, "David, would you like to move in with me and my girlfriend?" I said, "Sure." Oh, so cool. that's what happened. Cool. So it sounds like they were ready once the financing came through. They got Oh you, my goodness, got yes. In, in fact, they were like ready to go. In fact, it's kind of interesting how the whole thing came together. The guys were working on an ABC show. We're talking about some, uh, about in 1979, okay. called Fridays. Yes. And there was downtime. They were doing a parody of Don Kirshner's rock concert, and they had, right, a, lot, okay. they had a lot of tap downtime. So they started, because they were all brilliant ad-libbing comedians. Right. Nigel started to develop. I mean, Christopher Guest started right, right, to develop right. the Nigel character. And, and of course, everybody knows everybody and never really worked so well together. Yeah. That's so what happened was the reason why they didn't get financing on the 1980 20-minute effort mm -hmm. was that there was no script. Okay. There was so no, people the, didn't want to take a gamble on no, a script they didn't, list. No, they didn't want to take a gamble. Okay. But those guys were so brilliant. What they had was basically what happened. We had about 76 different scenes, and we did about seven takes on each scene. Wow. So at one point, there was like 52 hours worth of film on the cutting room floor. Oh, my gosh. And it was an editor's nightmare. Some of the early efforts were pathetic. Wow. It took too long to develop into the gag. But the guy that they got... Robert Layton, mm. who went on to do all of Christopher Guest's movies. Okay, okay. Brilliant editing. And with something like Spinal Tap, the editing was so crucial because, you know, going from one thing, don't get boring, don't get boring. Don't right, the right. <laughs> and I think they succeeded. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We've talked a lot about that on the podcast. Everybody, all of our guests have been a combination of other podcasters or um, uh, musicians, yeah. and everybody just can't stop talking about the editing and how brilliant it is. It was and, absolutely brilliant. I mean, yeah. I, was, uh, I was in awe because I was embarrassed some of the early essays. This is getting tedious. I'm not having fun, you know. Yeah. Because you, you're looking at it, you're kind of being critical because... Sure. Uh, yeah, but when you get the good edits, oh, oh that's great. That segued into that. Oh, I'm <laughs> loving it, you know. Oh, <laughs> you know, sigh of relief. <laughs> yeah, I totally get that. I yeah. can imagine it was hours and hours and... It could have turned into something terrible, right. but instead but the, the we got guys magic. Were, the guys were so comfortable in the in the improv world 
they were able to pull it off. And it doesn't sound like improv. No. It sounds like a script, but that was improv. That's that's how brilliant the guy. I mean, amazing. I was in awe of the guy. So was your stuff all improv too then? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I went, I joined them. In fact, Rob Reiner gave me a really nice compliment when we were in the middle of ad-lib conversations. He said, you sound like you're coming out of a, a, a Robert Altman movie. Nice. <laughs> that's awesome because I've mentioned that too, is that the little bit of... Overlap. Uh, just yeah. a little bit yeah. of it, you know, just And enough. that's what I was doing. I was, yeah. and, and nobody knew what I was going to say, so I, I you know, I, was, I had, them in the, <laughs> had, them going a little, had them going a little bit. <laughs> but I'm talking about Mendocino rocket fuel. <laughs> Davidson Hubbins immediately changes the subject. N- Nigel has just left the band. And Davidson Hubbins says to Viv, can you handle... Uh, Nigel's parts. I said, yes, I've got two hands. Yeah, yeah, it's the best, it's the best. <laughs> it's so practical of an answer, though, too, when you're you're a keyboardist. Like, yeah, I've, I've played gigs where I've got one keyboardist and one guitarist and, yes. and nobody else. Right. Like, okay, you're yes. going to do this, this, yep. you know. And, and sometimes you have the split keyboard, you put the bass on the left hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've done that a few times. Yeah, that's a great one. I've yeah. got two hands. I think I was just looking at um, minute 40 here where you're on the on tour the bus. bus. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. In fact, uh, yeah, that was part two of the movie. Okay. <laughs> Starts on the tour bus. I'm wearing this really expensive coat that I'd inherited from the manager from the band that I left. Oh, he was giving away, he was a crazy, nice. crazy millionaire, but I'm wearing a really nice kind of fawn-colored coat that must have been several hundred. Nice. But, but it just felt good to do in the movie. And that's yeah. my buddy Rick Parnell there in, yeah. the, in the bath. We're showing him in the bath, yeah. and then here you are with your, oh, there's your coat. There I am. That with is a my beautiful thing, coat. Nice case. It is a beautiful coat. And yeah, also well, another thing I, I wanted to try and do was try and wear red quite a bit so I, the camera would be, beam in on a little bit. <laughs> That was we were going to ask about the costumes. Sean yeah. and I are both fact, really you know love the costumes I supplied, that you wore. I supplied the vest to David St. Hubbins on the Flower Children. Oh my thing. gosh! I purchased that vest in a secondhand store in Kings Road, Chelsea. Oh my in, god! Seventy-one. <laughs> that is awesome. That's awesome. So we're we were really, just talking about that vest. We were just think, talking about a couple that of days vest. ago. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so authentic. How everybody. <laughs> Nigel also, has the narrow jacket, and, and, and he has also the vest. On, on the original photo of Spinal Tap before it turned into that airplane mm-hmm. wiggly guitar, it had the picture of the four of us, oh, the okay. five of us rather. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I'm wearing these pants that are identical to what Keith Richards was wearing at oh the time. Oh my gosh! Pair of um, small stars, red with a purple, blue. Crush, not crush, crush velvet, like velvety. But, but, but yeah, yeah, just smooth. You know, it was yeah. very, very popular time. Yeah, so that's very cool. <laughs> very cool. Anything with Keith is cool. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I made a good choice. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, did you bring a lot of your own clothing for this? Well, or uh, did they have a little bit? But quite a lot of it was provided for me. Okay. But, I mean, I think that actually that Matalo shirt was provided for me. The red and yeah, the black. red thing, yeah, and uh, yeah, we did a little. We had a little conversation about them being referred to as the Breton stripe. 
Oh, the Breton, yeah, 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 the, yeah, the Normandy stripe. fisherman, yeah. yeah, yeah they usually yeah. do the blue and white thing. Yeah, yeah but the, yeah. this was kind of a similar with the yeah, boat, yeah, boat neck kind of yeah, I, sort I kind of look. Yeah, kind of. Like yeah. Yeah. So, so, so they provided that, or you provide? I've already forgot. Uh, they provided that okay. particular that because David wears thing. that kind of look too yeah. a couple times. So it looked really that 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 coat is really it is nice. it's, it's casually expensive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> didn't belong, but I I grabbed it because it was given to me. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah. So yeah, one thing that that I've been kind of obsessed with is that during the performances. Um, it's almost like there's five different bands every, or just the, the players are allowed to express their individuality. Each member of the band is, is wearing wildly different things. Derek's got his, uh, his like bondage gear and then yes. um, David's wearing a puffy shirt. And then in one, in one performance, David, you have, um, you're wearing like a hospital gown with electrodes yes. on your head. That's for heavy duty. And yes, also, yeah. there's an interesting sequence that never got on, even to the outtakes. Okay. I'm rolling along the floor, clutching a miniature theremin oh, d- during wow. the performance of Heavy Duty, which was our tribute to the Doors. Oh, mm-hmm. cool. Oh, my gosh. That, oh. That's a shame theremin. that got cut out. Yeah. Theremin, clutching a theremin. Oh, wow. What size? So you said it was a small, like you could. You were on the floor. Yeah, I was on the floor clutching a theremin and just kind of in a state of di- <laughs> dishevelment. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that outfit definitely um, stood out. And it's funny because I was invited by the audio engineering department of USC mm. to, to give a little lecture as Viv Savage from Smile Time. And I arrived in my hospital <laughs> nice. and, and started to freak out. And then, and then I got really intellectual and serious and answered questions. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. <laughs> So, yeah, anything else from the movie that you can think of, the experience of doing the movie that, that you'd like to share? Um, they were all, every, every single situation, well, because it, it's all unique to me because I've never really been on a movie set, but, mm-hmm. you know, um, there were just some really cool things that happened, you know, where I might have made a fundamental error, like when we're waiting in the... Um, Airport place, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking about the gig. Yeah, you know, uh, it's uh, before the the Air Force Base gig. Before the Air yeah. Force Base, yeah. you're yeah, in yeah, the airport, yeah. right? Um, I'm I'm passing a piece of paper to to Nigel, right, but right. he's already, he's already got, got it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a nice little bit of innocent silliness. <laughs> Yeah, and he just kind of lifts his up, yeah. like, oh, got it, buddy. I and then so you turn around, you just pass it back. Yeah. Just being around Fred Willard, I was in the scene with him, and I was spazzing out. He was freaking me out. It was like a Jonathan Winters episode. You didn't know what was going to ca- happen next. And, and you know what you know what he's like. Oh, my gosh, he's hilarious. His, his work in Best End Show, to me, was absolutely the pinnacle. Fantastic. I mean, he's a brilliant comedian. He's he absolutely brilliant. He's Totally underrated. Yeah, yeah. Fred Willard. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love Fred Willard. Yeah, he is really good in Best in Show, and he's just... You can, he's just kind of making up the, yeah. oh, look at that yeah, kind yeah, of dog. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't he have a, a whatever, no, you know? A <laughs> <laughs> it's so horrible. And the person who he's 
comb. Yeah, straight with English nose, guy. Nose, yeah. nose the breeds, right, and, no, right. and he's just the idiot. That, yeah. Oh my god, he is hilarious. Yeah. So yeah, who else did you get to meet? There's everybody in the band. Well, There's it was Rob. You know, it was really incredible. Just you know, being around people like I mean, one of my heroes, um, the guy that played Steed in the Avengers. Oh yeah, uh, Sir Dennis yeah. Eaton Hawk. Right, right. Oh Matt, this is my hero. <laughs> you know, when I was a teenager, you know, and I loved the Avengers. It didn't matter who the girl was; they were all doing great. Right, right. It was so much fun. So having him, I mean, that was, and of course, Fran Drescher was brilliant. Oh, she had already formed her character mm-hmm. eight years before the nanny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And they were all great. I mean, uh, um. And Angelica Houston, right, playing right, the lady right. who designed the eighteen-inch. <laughs> Look, I've got a, I've got a Stonehenge. Oh my God, nice Stonehenge rocks. Cool, he's got a Stonehenge T-shirt for all of you out there in podcast land. That's great. Maybe we'll get a picture of that before you Definitely. take off. That'd be awesome. Right, right, nice. great, great, great. Yeah, she has just a tiny little part, but. So you you got a chance to meet most of the people that were in the movie. Um, well, was it was I was kind of in the vicinity. I don't recall having, but I do remember one thing that was really cool because we were lucky enough to do a, a Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a second to last show of the eighty three eighty four season. Oh, okay, and we had Barry Bostwick doing it. Oh, fun! And I was lucky enough to 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 go to their dress rehearsal and watch. Julia Louis Dreyfus mm-hmm. throw herself around the room with splendid abandonment. <laughs> I just f- fell in love with her immediately. She was so brilliant, so fearless. Yeah, yes. that served her well. That's so good. Man. Anyhow, it was a great show. We did Big Bottom and Christmas with the Devil. Great, <laughs> awesome. And that was an incredible experience. Yeah. Wow. And actually, a week later, I went to the rap party mm-hmm. on the 64th floor of the RCA building. Oh, cool. And, and Billy Crystal came up to me, <laughs> shook my head and said, great work, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was totally bold. I go, Billy is just, yes. Oh, man. He is, he's, oh, he's too funny. He's yeah. too funny. Very cool. Yeah. So what are you up to these days? You're in the Bay Area. I'm in the Bay Area. Okay. I play music with a few different bands. Uh, uh, I One of my favorite bands I play with is a band called Says You, S-E-Z-U. Okay. We're an originals band, but we do some eclectic covers of, of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily know about. So I they love eclectic like, yeah, covers. That's yeah, my game. But, but yeah, we, that's we awesome. Actually, if you want to check us out, we do the first Tuesday of every month Okay. at the Bistro in downtown Haywood okay. on B Street in Maine. Okay, cool. We'll look we that it, up we, and we make sure everybody We did it two nights can... ago. Okay. So... Uh, and it was a great game. And so what kind of, you said originals and yeah, eclectic yeah, it, covers. Uh, you, it's very eclectic okay. because we all have really our own style of playing, but we've been together like nine years. Wow. So we've developed this intuitive kind yeah. of, even though it's all worked out, we're, we're able to make it really how we want it. Okay. And it's a lovely feeling and doing it now because we're so relaxed with each other. Yeah. So I really would love you to come next, Absolutely. next month. And, uh, you're going to love it. We have over 90 originals. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. fantastic. I know. Sean, you'll have to fly out from the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> check says you. Yeah, check says you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Cool. Well, we'll make sure to do a link if they have if there's a website. Or... Yes, actually, I think you can go on Reverb Nation. Reverb Nation. Okay. Com, and then says you, and then it'll, there's a few things, and we quite a few little little homegrown videos and stuff. Oh, okay, so cool. It's awesome. a wonderful little band. I'm so proud of them. Yeah. Great. They do have this. There's. I, I was able to track down. There's some of their stuff is on YouTube. Oh, okay. So I've actually been able to check out says okay. And also, I'm in another band. This is more of a hard rock band. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a play on words. Mutual of Alameda's Wild Kingdom. <laughs> Mutual of Alameda's Wild Kingdom. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and actually, we, we perform a couple of tap songs. Oh, great. We do, we do Big Bottom. Nice. And tonight, I'm going to rock you tonight. Awesome. Excuse me. (laughs) And we also do um, a a rare bird song called Beautiful Scarlet. Okay. Which is the really cool concert footage from Berlin in 1970 on YouTube. Awesome. So both are really fun bands, very, very different from each other. Okay. One is is super rocked out intensity. The other is brilliant, low volume, uh, subtle nuances Mm. all the time. Beautiful two-part harmony singing. I mean... I love playing with these guys. It's really a, a major treat. How did you find yourself up uh, up this way, up in the Bay Area? Okay, I had friends in L.A. who had friends up here. And they okay. Say, David, come up for the weekend. We'll put you up and entertain you. So I used to come up for weekends, you know, like mm-hmm. in 76, 77 and all that. But I lived in L.A. until 84. Okay. And um, I decided, well, I wanted to move up, so I did. Cool. And you're in the East Bay here. Yes, I live. Okay. Actually, I live in the. I've, I've been in this place since December 1990. Wow! I've got the bottom half of a house in the Oakland Hills. Beautiful. And it's canyon. I look out of my window. It's like I'm living in a tree house. Mm, it's lovely. so wonderful. I mean, to be here all that time. Yeah. It's it's like a splendid isolation, and I. Mm. You know, even though I'm a you know well-known character, I'm, I'm a low-profile dude. I mm, like, yeah, I like to keep everything nice and simple. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, and, and I'm not I'm not uncomfortable with that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, Sean, were there any other questions um, or anything you wanted to talk about before we wrap things up for our very super duper ultra special guest? You've talked about this before, David, playing with Chuck Berry on the, the London sessions. I was That was an incredible experience. Um, I was traveling with my friends to the gig because um, two of the guys were in from the Average, average White, White Band, band okay. uh, the late Robbie McIntosh, the drummer, mm. and the wonderful rhythm guitarist, Oni, Oni McIntyre. Okay. Also another dear friend of mine who unfortunately departed, um, a guy called Nick Potter. Hmm. who played bass with a great progressive English rock band called Van de Graaff Generator. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. those three guys and myself were hanging out together. There was a piano on stage, and even though Chuck Berry's rider said, guitar, bass, and drums, mm-hmm. there, there was a piano on stage. Nice. We had five minutes rehearsing in which Chuck Berry told – the the two horn players from the average white band he didn't need them for the gig <laughs> did the gig and it was really 
out of this world. Oh uh, we, God, um, yeah. we did a, a really cool blues song, um, originally written by a guy called Tampa Red, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. made famous by Elmore James, uh -huh. called It Hurts Me Too. Mm -hmm. Chuck gave me three choruses to solo on. Oh, my God. I was getting into that. Because his piano player is not that dissimilar from what I do. Okay, it's kind yeah. of cool little licks, yeah, you know, yeah. work around the guitar part and all that. But um, that was an incredible experience. Oh wow! That was, and that and Johnny B. Good and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band were on the Voyager space probe of 1973. That, is so cool. that reached hyperspace <laughs> three <laughs> Augusts ago. <laughs> wow, what a legacy! And so you weren't—that wasn't a regular thing. You weren't touring with Chuck. It was just no. It was a one-off. Three-day festival in England hmm. called the Lanchester Arts Festival, hmm. and it was a highly eclectic bill. We had Pink Floyd, we had the English power pop band Slade, mm -hmm. <laughs> ourselves, wow. and, a, and a band called the kind of a jump band called the Roy Young Band. And it was Roy Young's piano that I oh, I latched cool. onto on stage. So you know, it was way cool. It was way cool. Wow. Yeah, that's quite a lineup. <laughs> Oh, I think we were going to ask you too about your your name. Yes, David Caffinetti. I had a, I used to hang out with these really wild art school students in the late sixties. Um, one of this, these guys is a guy called Paul Davy, who was part of the painting psychedelic stuff in Carnaby Street, okay. the outsides. He came up with this name. It's a combination of three names: Kafka, okay, Ferlan Getty. Uh-huh. And a guy who in 1981 won the Nobel Prize for Literature called Elias Canetti. Okay. Now, I got this name back in 69, so it was 13 years ahead of wow. when, he, when he got the, the Nobel Prize <laughs> thing. So it's Kafka, Ferlinghetti, Elias Canetti, <laughs> David Caffinetti, and, and there's nobody else with that name. Wow. <laughs> That is cool. So he did he kind of bequeath you like Yeah, he said that no, I said, name, no, I like, said, Paul, I want to use that as my showbiz name. Cool. Wow. That's and a then great when I story. did the cat movie, I decided to go Hollywood and shorten it cat. to David Cat. <laughs> you went all Hollywood on us. <laughs> Super cool. Well, I think we'll wrap this little baby up. It's all been right. about a half hour and we've got nice. some great stories. Well, and... I thoroughly enjoyed doing it. Oh, and good. You made me feel so relaxed. I just want oh, good, to come good, out good, with good. it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, we really appreciate it. And right. uh, yeah, I think I'll just quickly say, you know, thanks everybody for listening right. and through some mutual um, friends. Yes. You know, we found out you lived in the area. Right, right, right. Super exciting. And, and I appreciate you jumping in. And oh, absolutely. Coming I on down. <laughs> I, I'm pretty low profile. If anybody does anything, I, I'll usually respond. You know. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, that'll wrap up this special episode of Spinal Tap Minute. And um, you know where to find us on the internet and all that. But we do, maybe you can play along with us, David. <laughs> we do. Are we doing it? <laughs> we do. We 
end up for every episode by I'll, I'll just say this so that you know and so say all of us tap into america right. would you be willing to say that with us sure okay so sean you want to say call us out all right uh, I'll, I'll call i'll make the call okay uh, until next time and so say all of us Tap into America. <laughs> and Viv will tell you all have a good time all the time. Hi, gang. This is Sean once again. And before I was able to join them in the studio, Heidi and David had a little bit of a conversation that they recorded, and that's our bonus material that's coming up. I'd also like to ask if you've enjoyed this episode and you like what we're doing with Spinal Tap Minute, please visit us on iTunes and leave a review or if you can, a five-star rating. The more reviews and ratings we have, the easier it is for people to find us. So that helps out a lot. And I also want to let you know that if you visit our website at SpinalTapMinute.com, we have links to the movies, the music, all the things David talks about. We have links to performances of David with bands old and new. Um, So if you'd like to see more and hear more of the stuff that David talked about, uh, visit the website. And now on to that bonus material. Thank you very much. I think one critic caught, uh, expressed it as a there was a narcotic quality <laughs> running around. <laughs> I, I, had, I had a friend in LA who was like a, a comedy writer. He wrote for uh, who is that crazy guy? Uh, a, a really um, edgy comedian who was ex preacher. Yeah, he wore the beret and he had the yeah. long hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drawing a blank on him right, right now. But, too, an, but anyhow. He said that I was the only likable character in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yours yours is a very likable character. We wish you had a little bit more screen time. I know. It was one of those things where I'm really low down on the totem pole. (laughs) The pod scene. The that, pod I have scene. to say that when I watch, so I, I watched a few kind of trial run things, you know, before mm-hmm. it got properly edited and all that. But the pod thing won me over yeah. immediately. It was the most instantly ludicrous, <laughs> earnest people being inept. <laughs> I just loved it. And Harry was so brilliant. The fastest mind in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I like how uh, right at the end of the... Oh, there you are. There's your hands. Yeah, you're not too much in this this minute, but I think you're in the I, next I, one. On Hellhole, I'm doing a chorus. Hellhole! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice! <laughs> And Christopher directed the video. Oh, did he? Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, it was really brilliant. Different settings, you know. Yeah. All, but all, all LA locations. Yeah, that's what we've been talking about as we've been watching it. You know, they say, oh, we're in Atlanta. In fact, a downtown LA can pass off as downtown Atlanta. Yeah. And they use that principle. 
but it was still LA. <laughs> <laughs> so I you... actually lived in LA for nine years. Oh, really? From 75 to 84. Oh, my gosh. And then I came on up to the Bay Area, and I've been happy ever since. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. 